0: This year, um, we've got uh, Berkwood uh, with us again, Berkwood Primary School. Um, is that a pro- proper name? It's Birkwood Primary. Uh, I was there on Friday. I had just a fantastic time with them. It was ace. Um, I-, I will be taking that up with Esther later. I was made to sit at the front by myself with a giraffe in front of all the kids. I thought I'd just gone to say hello to some staff, and instead I spent the afternoon with a giraffe and hundreds of kids. But it was ace, and I loved it. So it's going to be exciting. Um, We're continuing my happy series, okay? Was everybody happy after last time? Tell your faces. (laughs) You're all looking dead serious. Mm -hmm. Prove that you're good enough to preach. We're going to look at happy part two. Who's feeling happy? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, see if you're a visitor this morning if you put your hand up and say yes I'm happy you know there's a good chance I've set you up and I'm whenever I say does anybody feel like my entire congregation go I am not moving I am not catching his eye I am not moving my hands happy is the series that we're doing happy is smaller than kingdom thinking if we settle for happy we are settling for less than God's best The last time I spoke, I effectively said that while we may pursue happiness, then we may possess something. But when we pursue God's blessing, that brings God's presence and purpose and passion into our lives. And that is so much bigger. God's blessing is so much bigger than just happy. So when I say the words, when I use words like happy, what comes into your mind? When I say happy, you don't have to shout this out because I'm not going to trick you. But if I say the word happy, you're all having thoughts now. Happy, you're having happy thoughts or thoughts about happy things that you've done. Ian, what makes you feel happy? Riding, a motorbike? Riding your motorbike. I had a motorbike. <laughs> I don't have one now, but spring's coming. <laughs> spring's coming, and eBay's there. When I say the word heaven, what comes into your mind? Eternity. Who said that? Eternity. You've just done a Bible course. You're not hard to answer. (laughs) Ian, when I say the word heaven, don't say riding my motorcycle in the summer. (laughs) Fluffy clouds. clouds. Okay, you need to do a Bible course. (laughs) There are a lot of questions the Bible doesn't specifically give us a huge amount of detail on the hereafter, on the heaven thing. But what I can know is that our idea and concept, and the thing people talk about heaven, is so often wrong. We're so inaccurate about what it might be. We get this picture. Oh, listen, I can't play a harp. I will never play a harp. I will never sit on a cloud. That's not what heaven is described as. And we get so wrapped up in this thing, this what could be. Oh, something should have happened then. Ah, now it does. What I want to tell you about, this is the reality not of heaven, but I'm going to explain there are no sprouts in heaven. They're Satan grapes and that's where they belong. See, Satan counterfeits all the good things of God and one of those counterfeits is sprouts. Not grapes. You can't make sprout wine and if you do, I'm not drinking it. Here's the story of a boy This is a true story, and I know it's true because I was there. It was me. (laughs) Sitting down to a plate of sprouts, because it's Christmas Day, and you've got to eat sprouts. And what a great day to, to, to build into your child a parenting lesson. Let's have Christmas dinner and make you eat sprouts, because it's a special day. You've got to try and eat at least three. So my mother invented the whole... She's not here now, so I can say these things. My mother invented the whole concept of I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Kind of bush took a trial with sprouts on Christmas Day. You can leave the table and you can have the chocolate cake. Because I didn't do a Christmas pudding, I always did chocolate cake. Preach it. If I ate three sprouts then you do that thing where you leave your sprouts to last and all the way through your meal your mum tells you you've got to eat those sprouts and by the time you get to the sprouts there's kind of congealed cold turkey gravy on them and you put one in your mouth and you do that thing it kind of rests on your tongue against your teeth <laughs> and you're thinking can I swallow this in one but the way my mum makes them, no, because they kind of dissolve. So you can't hold it there long enough, so it kind of like turned into green slime in my mouth. And then she'd say, You've got to chew it and eat it. Ugh. So my entire experience was being aware. <laughs> oh! Building up to Christmas, I'd, I'd, I'd like Christmas morning unwrapping presents, and in my mind would be three sprouts. <laughs> and we'd sit down for Christmas dinner, and Grandma would come and she bring more presents, and in my mind was three sprouts. <laughs> and all the way through eating the turkey, and three sprouts. And all the time I'm doing this, I'm looking onto the kitchen table. And I'm looking at that, and all I'm thinking is, Three sprouts. So by the time I now, if I now look at chocolate cake or chocolate fudge cake, you know one of the things that comes into my mind, first of all? Three sprouts. Three sprouts sprouts of death. See, I was having a bad time. Everything on the plate was unappreciated with no enjoyment or happiness until the chocolate cake could arrive. And we kind of assume that here is sprouts and heaven Is chocolate cake. That's how we kind of live. We've just got to get through the sprouts now, and the chocolate cake comes later. But that's not what the Bible says. That's the picture we've built. And I want to, through this morning, explain that if we think that our lives today is all about eating those three sprouts, so that one day we get the chocolate cake in heaven. I want to address that. Somebody's just received a text message. Um, We are missing the point of our lives. And so because it's the first advent, I want to read you some scripture. And it's the story from Luke 2, chapter 8. And it's about the shepherds. Because believe me, shepherds got sprouts. They lived on a hillside, rejected by everybody. Their life was one. But you know, if life gives you lemonade, if life gives you sprouts, you do not make sprout aid. You just got sprouts. <coughs> and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today. Let's do that American thing. Say after me. Today. 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 Go on, with, with passion. Today. Today. In the town of David, I've never done that before. A town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the angels, uh, angel, heavenly host, appeared uh, with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into uh, heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see. Say after me, let's go, and see. let's go and see. Come on, with passion. Let's go, and see. let's go and see. I am so not American. This thing that has happened, let's go and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. No, you don't have to say about, it's all right. Now, you're being silly. You are the sprout in my sermon. There are those moments... When God gives us his kingdom now, today. But he gives us the option to take hold of today and go and see. You see, the shepherds didn't have to do anything. The shepherds, what they could have done is sit in a mountainside and go, Wow, we have just seen the heavenly host. And they could have lived on that for years. But they had an option. Because at that moment, there was a kingdom come moment. Where Christ appeared on earth as a child. Christ incarnate, God incarnate with us. And they went to see, but they had an option. They had an option. I just want to read you this scripture because we're going to look at the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is about his presence and his blessing. And it is so much more than heaven and so much more than happy. It is current. Matthew 13, 31, 33 says, says, God's kingdom is like a mustard seed that a farmer plants. It is quite small as the seeds go, but in the course of years it grows into a huge tree and even eagles build nests in it. The footnote is not in Scripture, that's mine. Mustard seeds in Palestine are not the same plant we make English mustard with. It's a different plant. What is the kingdom of heaven when jesus prays your kingdom come what does that mean and what is that how does that relate to our happy how does that relate to our blessing how does that relate to our sprout experience of life how does it lift and change all of that what is the kingdom of heaven it's the sovereign activity of god as king saving men and overcoming evil and establishing a new way of living now that demonstrates what is to come that's part of a definition living for christ now Living his kingdom now that demonstrates what is to come. It's a foretaste. That's why Jesus prays, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to be dreamers as Christians. We're called to be dreamers and to have a vision. Scripture in Corinthians even talks about us having dreams and having visions. Holy Spirit inspired. We're meant to be dreamers and visionaries. What do we see for our church and town going forward? You see, we can sit on a hill and say, wow, that was exciting. Or we can say, let's go and see. Like the shepherds, let's go and see. What do we see for our church and for our town going forward? What do you see? Julie laughs at me because every time I walk around, I see buildings. And I still do it. We've got a building now. But I still walk around saying, that building will make a great church. And I sit in meetings with people and think to myself, wow, our building would be ideal for that. What do we see? Are we looking and hearing? Because we want to pull his kingdom into our now experience. i got to tell you, I was sat at a council meeting the other day. Um, and in this council meeting, um, there was. There's, there's there's loads of funding. Just Barnes have won loads of funding to build the first women's centre that Barnes has ever had. That's going to do all sorts of different things, and they want a fairly central location where they can open a cafe and put in some accommodation and really build into people's lives and support them and branch out into the wider communities. But they can't find a building anywhere near the town centre that's travelable. And I'm thinking, I can. Look, I don't know if God's in that, but we're called to dream dreams and have visions. We're called to say, what could God do in a situation like that? So at every meeting I'm ever at, I sit there. I've got directors in the church now thinking, oh, Lord. What has he got us into? <laughs> but let's be living lives that are constantly saying, your kingdom come. Yeah. So when we're in conversations with colleagues at work, so when you're in a conversation and somebody's saying, my life's like Job, you're in a conversation there huh? because you're Christ in that situation. You can, you can be calling kingdom into that setting. You can be, call, be calling transformation into it. What does God want to do in our town? Any clues? Has anybody got a clue what God wants to do in this town? It. He wants to transform it. He wants to transform it. And not just with light shows shown in the town all. He wants to train, change it from the inside out. He doesn't just want to gloss over it. He doesn't want to put nice lights on it to make it look nice. He doesn't want to build nice um, shopping centers that are amazing things to have. And I'm so thankful that the town is changing. But he wants to take individual lives and transform them from the inside out. He wants us to be able to pray your kingdom come in Barnsley as it is in heaven. Because that's his prayer. That's his heart. We can dream dreams that will shape our home. Jesus describes what the kingdom of God is like. He compares it to a mustard seed. The, very, the mustard plant in Palestine says it's very, very tiny. It's not what we make mustard of, but it grows hugely. It's enormous. This plant, by comparison to seed size, in the East, Palestine area, in the Middle East, when you speak of a mustard seed, it would represent smallness. It would represent insignificance. It would be something to be overlooked. But Jesus actually says, the kingdom of heaven is like that. You might overlook it, but don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate it. This little mustard seed is going to grow. So we need to be dreamers and vision carriers. And I I know that sometimes I sit in meetings and have ideas, or I roll up at meetings with ideas. And I know that sometimes... Neil, Neil's got this thing, so I'm just, you face facing me. Neil does this thing where he goes, and sometimes he does it to me in meetings and it's called for, Ah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> and you, that's why we have a plurality of leadership because if it was just me, we'd all be bankrupted on the streets now. <laughs> but when I sit down with leaders, I'm looking for dreamers and visionaries. I look out for those that come up with 10 ways to make something happen. Not ten reasons why we can't. That tells me far more about our church than I can imagine. So I'm excited when people come to me. This morning, when people come to me and say, did you know about this happening in church? Did you know what this has happened to me at work? Did you know about this situation? Do you know about this? That's exciting because that's God at work. That is the, the tiny taste. That's the mustard seed size your kingdom come in people's personal setting. And that can be your experience. So Jesus is pointing out the kingdom of heaven starts with the smallest beginnings and no one knows where it will end. Jesus is saying in our lives, we can let it grow. Think of it, the kingdom starts small but ends big. We're not called just to get to heaven, but to influence now as priests and ambassadors for Christ as we walk about in our daily lives. So a testimony this morning that we had was so important when Ruth stood up and talked about, you know, this is who we are. This is where we are. that is so important. We've got to get hold of this stuff. The mission of the church is to reach the world. Growing church not only knows that, but it's living it. And you can live it in your situation. And I find that really, really exciting. That You know, when, have you ever, has anybody ever done that thing and said, my life's only small and insignificant? You, you may, I'm not going to point you out. Or, is your life small and insignificant in your opinion? You may raise your hand now if that's what you'll think. Wow, everybody's life is big and significant. That's excellent. You're just frightened of saying that. so many people think their lives are small and significant. But here's the deal when Christ is involved and we're praying the prayer, Your kingdom come, oh boy, you can change everything. You can change everything. Go back to the moment when you invited God into your life the first time when you became a Christian. Just go back to that moment. If you're a Christian in this room this morning, go back to that time when you invited Christ into your life for the very first time. And then just think to yourself, what kind of a journey has it been since then? What has happened in my life over the weeks for some of you, over the months for others, and over the years for other people in this room, and over the decades for other people in this room? Isn't that special, people say that? For some people in here, it's over the weeks. For some people, it's over the months. For some people, it's over the years. And for others, it's over the decades. And for one or two of you, it's the millennia. But think of all that has happened in that journey that started as a mustard seed. I don't know what you were like when I I became a Christian. I prayed a prayer and it seemed really small and I kind of prayed the prayer to become a Christian and sat there. So I prayed it again and waited. And over the next couple of weeks I prayed it probably a dozen times because lightning never fell at any point. If lightning fell, could you just raise your hand now please? Nobody had lightning him when they became a Christian. I kind of expected Ian to put his hand up there and say, the sprout in my sermon. You could see him thinking, I know the glint in his eye. It started small, but it was real and it was alive and it contained everything it needed to bring transformation into your situation. It was your kingdom come. It's that that open door, it's that seed that begins everything that God promises being revealed and unwound in your life, becoming a reality in your situation. That's exciting because our lives have been impacted by it. And when I look at my own life, I can only talk about my life, it's not fair of me to point at you, but I know there are many people in this room like me. Things I do and say and places I've been and people I've met, experiences I've had, revelations I've had. Um, connections and, and, and coincidences that are too big to be coincidences. They all began at that moment when you fearfully say, "Jesus, if you're there, would you be part of my life?" And you make that Christian commitment, and you repent and seek to connect and to engage, and say, "Lord, will you be Lord of my life?" Then something begins. Luke two seventeen says of the shepherds, "When they had seen him." They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, for me, that is one of the most significant things in the whole of Scripture. The shepherds saw angels and then they saw a child in a crib. But something remarkable happened. They were the first evangelists. They were straight out there to declare the truth. How amazing and exciting is that? This small thing. I've got to tell you, their life was sprouts. Their entire existence was sprouts. And yet they're able to see something glorious because in their experience, they were face-to-face with the revelation of Christ. Kingdom come in their lives. But they didn't hold on to it. They carried it. And they shared it. And they were a demonstration of it. And they lived it. And that is the call for ordinary people like us. In the smallest ways, they knew how to grow the kingdom of God begins here. From the outset, the message of good news is entrusted to the most ordinary people who could dream big. And those shepherds dreamed big. You know how to grow. You've done it already. You know when we invite in the smallest things into our lives, those things will grow. So God, what you invite in. Small things can grow in our lives. Small mistakes, small negative thoughts, small negative options, small things that we check in at, things that we might comment on, things that we put on Facebook, things we might choose to look at or to read. They may be small things of themselves, but they grow. So let's make sure that, it's, first of all, it's Christ that we put into our lives. Let's make sure it's Christ that's growing. I think a lot of times as Christians we get discouraged because it's not big and not dramatic. Who would like an earthquake experience in their Christian life? I would. I want to do that thing where, if I pray for Robert, I kind I of, I, I want lightning to come out, you know, like the emperor on Star Wars. I can't, wouldn't it be great, that? Neil, like Iron Man. Some big, like, white lightning thing coming. But God knows us, and knows that if we were running around like superheroes, we would think we were superheroes, when Christ is our hero. We want the big and the dramatic. All we have to do is match His Word in our life. That's what we're called to do, to match His Word in our life. We honor and lift Jesus, not us, and then blessing flows. You see, I know, I know if when I prayed for you, lightning came out of my fingertips do not matter what you say. Some of you put it on Facebook. Our pastor has lightning fingertips. And I will be the pastor that's promoted us. Come and meet the pastor with lightning fingertips. I know it would happen. Wouldn't it? Oh, come on, somebody. You're telling me if my hands glowed in the dark, you wouldn't put it on Facebook? Mm. I'd be deeply disappointed if you didn't. You see, we pursue things because we think those things will make us happy. Possessions, opportunities, recognition, ministry. We can pursue those things, but we risk reducing our faith because our faith isn't possessions. Our faith is in a person. Our faith is not the possession of ministry. Our faith is not the possession of opportunity. It's not the possession of recognition or validation. It's not the possession of material things. Our faith is in relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else. We don't compete for possession. We serve with purpose. Jesus started small. He was 12 men in a small room. I want to tell you an amazing story because I like history and weird history. Has anybody heard of Telemachus? Who was Telemachus? Oh, well, that's not not the same. Anybody can say There was a Telemachus in the Greek Odyssey, but he's the wrong one. Telemachus was a Syrian bishop around about 380, 390 or something like that. The clever people in the room will correct me later because they they know all this stuff. Um, People like Mike and Mark, they breathe this stuff. But he was, a, he was a bishop of the church in Syria about the 3rd, 4th century. And he went to Rome and he got to Rome and there's all sorts of stuff going off in arenas and stuff and gladiatorial fights. And he looks around the room, people baying for blood. What do you do as a Christian in that setting? You jump into the arena. Because Christians are dead popular in arenas in those days. He jumps into the arena and he actually stands in between two gladiators and begins to preach the gospel. And says, this is a bad thing. What you're doing is a bad thing. Within four years the Emperor had banned all gladiatorial fights because the the mood had changed. It changed the mood of Rome. It changed the mood because he was prepared in one small way to step up for Christ and proclaim good news in a dark place. True story. True story. I should say, true story. It's big, it's good. Christians don't actually say they won't act. They'll say things like, I'll get to it eventually or someday, or when the time is right, which means never. For Telemachus, there was one moment in time where he had to get into that arena then. That was his soul. That's the only thing he's known for. That's the one thing he did. He took his opportunity. He did it at that moment. He stepped out in faith. He did the outrageous. He signed up for it. People often say to me, why do you run marathons, or why do you do this, or why do you do that? Why do you take risks? Why would you jump out of an airplane, or those kind of Just sign up for it. Just do it. And work it all out afterwards. And just know that you'll do it. Sometimes with God, we've just got to sign up for it. Sometimes with God, in faith, we've got to say, I'm signing up for this. So this morning, I think God wants to say to you, are you signing up for this? Do you want to sign up for this? Let's just do it. Let's just take the moment in your life. Let's just seize that moment and say, in faith, let's go and see. Let's go and see. So then we can go and tell from our experience. So we keep, otherwise, if we don't take that moment, we just keep spinning the wheels. But today I believe God says, just make a decision and move on with it. Don't get stuck in the no man's land of believing the lie that says, one day, one day I will, one day I may, one day when the circumstances are right, one day when my situation's changed, one day when things feel different, one day when I'm better. You know what? Just make a decision. Sometimes we can just be brave and say, against the odds, against the outrageousness, one day I'm going to do this outrageous thing. I love stories where people do, um, there's somebody in this room who I, I'm going to be very careful, so I don't know who knows, but has just made some massive life decisions and said, you know what, in my time I am going to do this thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go have an adventure with God. I'm going to do this. Do you know what? I just feel excited when people do that. Because they put themselves in a the place where only God. Only God can. Only God can. When we can't. So let's put ourselves into a God adventure. Say only God can. This morning church, I just feel God is saying to some of us in this room. Put yourself in a place where only God can. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe today God wants to change an empire. Or at least a home. Or a workplace. Or a street. Or an office. Or a factory floor. And he's going to use you. Yeah. Maybe it starts by pursuing the presence of God. Then you carry the purpose and passion filled presence of God into your life situation. And then as you begin to pray, Your kingdom come, you'll put yourself in a position where the only thing that will work now is His kingdom come. Where a foretaste of all the goodness of the completion of His kingdom. All the goodness that Christ brings, all the ultimate eternity that He has can be brought into our present situation for a moment. And that changes everything because the Lord is going to change this heaven and this earth. And we get to pull a little bit of that into our now. That pulls some of the cake into our present experience. And the best thing is, as we do that, you know what the Lord does? He allows us to scrape the sprouts off the plate. My mum made me eat them, then have the cake. God lets us scrape the sprouts off. And makes us eat the broccoli. (laughs) Because there is no promise of perfect life now. The Bible says, in this life there will be trouble. Who's got that on the fridge? Well, it's the promise of God. Get it on your fridge when you go, type it out, write it out, put it on your fridge. In this life there will be trouble, but in this life there will be the presence of God and the blessing of God and the presence of God in all that we do and a purpose of God and a revelation of Him that we can go and see. Growing is harder than talking about growing. Leading is harder than talking about leading. Serving is harder than talking about serving. But we've got to put ourselves in a position where we'll do those things. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It spreads and it permeates. And it, I made bread yesterday. I love making bread. I love mixing the, the stuff up and seeing the yeast begin to rise and form, And putting it in the flour and mixing it all up, coming back to it, and the bread is twice. I love doing that. It feels so creative and, and pleasing. And especially when you put cheese and tomato and chorizo on top and turn it into pizza, it's just the best thing ever. When you put yeast into a lump of dough, what happens? It begins to rise. That's like the kingdom of God, and he's the smallest invisible thing in our presence, and we begin to rise. Church, in your situations, individual people in this church, God wants you to rise. He wants you to grow. He wants to place his kingdom within you. He wants to place his Holy Spirit within you so that you can transform. There were some Christians in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And these Christians went to a place called Thessalonica. You can go on holiday there now if you want But in Thessalonica, in in, in what was Greece then, Christian men turned up. And this is what the local people said. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. There were 12 people originally and now they've turned the world upside down and the world looks at Christians and said these men that have turned the world upside down have come here also church we are called to turn this world upside down you are called to turn your street upside down you're called to turn your office upside down you're called to turn this town upside down it's called to turn your family upside down not vengefully not in anger not in frustration but we're in the passionate committed love of Christ to speak out truth To walk for Christ first. Because if 12 people can have said of them, they have turned the world upside down, what could we do in Barnsley? We're in the business of turning our world upside down. So the kingdom of God starts small but grows immensely, touching a lot of people, and it changes us. This is bigger than happy. This is so much bigger than just pursuing happy. This is the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God. Matthew 6.33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All this stuff follows. You know, I kind of feel happy will follow, contentment will follow, fulfillment will follow, but first of all, pursue the kingdom of God. The Lord himself tells us to seek it first. His way of doing things, rather the world's way or our own way. The Lord is instructing us not to worry about our housing or our clothing or our food or our position, or our ministry, or our opportunity or our tomorrow. He's simply saying, look to me. Our our lives can easily get caught up with possessing things. And when you possess things, you know what you do? You worry about not possessing them. That's what the world is all about. Gaining things so that we can worry about not having them anymore. You know what? Nobody's going to take Christ away from you. Nobody's going to take his blessing away from you. Nobody's going to take his eternity away from you. That is a forever thing. Rather than doing this, the Lord says, seek first the kingdom of God. And that lifts the fear. It lifts the doubt. It lifts the hunger, It lifts the greedy. Seeking means to strive after, to to desire above all, to submit, to participate in. That's where the bigger of God is in our lives. Matthew 6 verse 9 says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Not to embarrass him, but when he's back, we'll have the band on stage. (laughs) There you go on fire. I've just realised I've run way over time. How many of us truly pray for God's kingdom to come? See, this morning we're going to pray for God's kingdom to come. We're going to pray for God's kingdom to come, and that's going to be the really simple prayer that we're going to offer this morning. In a few minutes' time, I'm going to say to you. In your situation, in your circumstance, I'm going to very simply say, why don't you, with courage, because it takes courage, because it's embarrassing, why don't you choose to come and stand at the front? And then somebody from the leadership will come and stand and pray with you. And you know what we're going to simply pray? We're going to say, Lord, would your kingdom come in their lives? Holy Spirit, would you fill them? Would you be present in their lives? And give them a taste of who you are in the eternity in their today situation. That's the kind of prayer we're going to pray. And I'm going to say, Amen. We're just going to pray that and seek release for you into that, because that's where we need to be. We need to be in that Holy Spirit presence of God. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you have? A, 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 I'm going to have to put this into context. Some of us were at a meeting the other week, and it was a real revelation because we were talking about vision, and we have a vision for the church. But a question was asked. Do you have your vision for you within the context of that vision for the church? Are you beginning to see what God wants to do with you in the midst of that? Are you beginning to see that God has a vision for your life? And when we began to see that, when we were challenged by that, it just, just shook and changed our whole perception. And one or two people are hatching that. It, it caught, wow, there's a vision for the church, but I need a vision for me within that vision within that picture. I need to know what God has called me. I need to know this purpose for me, this presence of God in my life, this passion within my life. When we gather church in numbers, our enemy feels safe. When we gather in his name, our enemy feels fear. We meet in habit or we meet in honor. And this morning we want to honor Jesus. So I'm going to invite the band back up onto stage. And we want to honor Jesus because we want to look beyond happy and start looking towards his kingdom come, uh, looking towards Is blessing honor grows from our personal vision in flow with a a vision of the house I'm going to skip a whole lot of stuff here see I believe it's time to bring the prophetic back into our Sunday mornings it's time to bring the prophetic of our Sunday mornings into our Monday mornings so that we can begin to tip the world upside down What defines you? What defines your life in Christ? Is it the pursuit of happy? Or is it possession of God's blessing? This morning I want to pray God's blessing. When people come to Hope House Church these days, fewer are looking for information about God. What we're looking for is an experience of the presence of God and His blessing. So we're going to pray today for His presence in your life, for His purpose in your life. And for his passion in your life. Because that is bigger than happy. That is the beginnings. The beginnings of seeing your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come in my life as it is in heaven. Why don't we all stand together? So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to sit down and the band are going in worship and it might be that you feel you need that blessing in your life it might be that you simply want to say Lord I am about your passion I want your presence in my life that's not a case of my life is a mess therefore I need to come forward or my life is bad or bad things have happened to me I need to come forward you know yes come forward with, those, with that stuff happening but this is about saying Lord there are so many things I can pursue but I want to pursue you there are so many things I can possess but I want to possess the blessing of God. So this is not about being in a good place or a bad place. This is about being in the right place for the Lord. So that we can take our Sunday morning blessing into our Monday morning experience. Because some of us are called to be ambassadors for Christ. No, actually all of us are called to be ambassadors for Christ. So, Lord, we are an ordinary group of people. And there are lots of sprouts on lots of plates in this room. And for those that love sprouts, the Lord bless you. But I don't. There are lots of things happening in the lives of people in this room. There are lots of great things and lots of hard things. There's lots of history. There's lots of potential. There are lots of good times and lots of bad times, lots of questions and lots of other answers. But, Lord, what we do know is that without you we are nothing. We have got no eternity. But Lord, without you, we've got no right now. And so, Lord, we want to pray this morning that you would bless us with your presence, that you would fill us with your spirit, that, Lord, when we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Lord, we will begin to get a foretaste of your kingdom come in our lives. Your kingdom come. A taste of that eternity in our present. Lord, that that would change our perspective on who we are, change our perspective on how we walk, change our perspective on how we talk, and how we respond, and how we move through this world. Because we want to turn it upside down for you. So Lord, we pray now that Holy Spirit, you would touch hearts, you would connect with people. And as we worship, people will be ready to receive your blessing, ready to receive your passion, ready to receive your purpose ready to be in your presence amen so as we worship if you want to respond to that that's fine you're comfortable where you are that's equally fine but just for a few minutes four or five minutes let's seek to receive